Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I'm Amy Frost. My guest today is Grant Hater Menzies, who's an author. He's written a book called The Lost War Horses of Cairo. It's an incredible story about the founder of the Brooke charity, Dorothy Brooke. Mrs. Brooke had the ability to feel great compassion and, and express it, but she was a great organizer as well, and she, she loved systems and getting things running in the right track. And that if you took care of every aspect of a problem, you were more likely to eradicate the problem. Her philosophy has helped enormously. The problem hasn't been eradicated, the problem of neglect of working equines, horses, donkeys, and mules. But it's you have to think how much worse things would be had Mrs. Brooke not lived and uh, given her the last 25 years of her life to, uh, to help these animals and their owners. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. I have a lovely guest joining me today. His name is Grant Hater Menzies, and he's an author. Now, already, um, I, I feel I feel a bit rude because when I say Grant, I sound really posh. Grant, how do I say your name? Uh, it's Grant Hater Menzies. Grant, see that sounds so cool. When you say it, it sounds awesome and creative and like an author. And when I say it, it <laughs> sounds like something from Hogwarts. Well, yes, my my grandfather pronounced it Grant because he was from Aberdeen. But my UK cousins say Grant, but uh, mm. over over here we say Grant. I prefer yeah. that. And you do a very good <laughs> English accent, I have to say. The way you say it there is good. So, so you have family from Aberdeen? Yes, my grandfather was born there and uh, he served in uh, the Great War with the Black Watch uh, oh. and was injured, went through all the terrible hells that everyone else did uh, who served in, in that war. Very young man. He was barely old enough uh, to join up. Actually, uh, <laughs> quite had a grudging admiration for the Germans. He, he loved organization and things being very sorted. And he wasn't too keen on the French, <laughs> but uh, he, helped, he helped the Allies win the war. Um, he uh, was very much an admirer of the Gurkhas, thought they were next they were just a little lower than angels and uh it's interesting because uh joanna lumley provided a an endorsement of my book 
and she has been um, very much a supporter of of, of the Gurkhas. And, has uh, she really? Um, now, is this yeah. the book that you're going to be telling us about today? Because today we're talking about yes. Dorothy, who founded the book. It was. So Joanna has yes. endorsed the book. Yes, yes. Hers was one of the very first endorsements. And they were actually printing it on the cover of the UK edition, which comes out in early February through Alan and Unwin. Yeah, it was very, very kind of her. Um, she actually has some Brooke connections from uh, from childhood. So she knows better than many people what the, the work of the Brooke involves and how how amazing it has been for the lives of working equines throughout the world. They're an incredible charity, and uh, only last week did we see um, a TV show uh, where we've, they followed Charlotte de Jardin, where she went over to different countries to see the working animals and the working, working donkeys, horses and mules, and just an exceptional charity. I'm, I'm interested, I can understand Joanne and Lumley's take on it because I can understand why she's associated with it because she does so much for welfare, both for yes. humans and for animals. Yes, she's terrific. She's, she's absolutely wonderful. So how did you go then from the grandson of a, of a man from Aberdeen in the war, writing, you're an author, to writing eight hugely successful books to now writing a book about the brook? Um, I wanted originally to be a pianist, and uh, oh, that's that, different, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that 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 ran in my German grandmother's family, and it didn't quite work out that way. And I thought, well, what's the next thing I can do? And that's writing. I luckily had a grandmother on my mother's side who was uh, very much the encourager and enabler of my uh, early writing efforts. And so, I think growing up in a family of very strong women courageous women, and women who were very politically astute with the men in their lives, who knew how to, how do I put this, knew how to dance sort of the two-step with their husbands and make them think that they were leading and make them feel like they were in charge, but who were able to, at the same time, assert themselves and have control over their lives. Um, I think that seeing that made me very curious about the lives of women and especially women that we haven't heard that much about or that you know works not properly explored or or celebrated mm. and so I, I started writing books about women whose lives interested me that I wanted to share with with others and other than a book book before this biography of Dorothy Brooke, a book about Rags, the mascot, uh, canine mascot of the first uh, American division in France in uh, the Great War. All of my books have been about women. Mm. Um, and even the life of Rags, I mean, his life was really shaped by the women who were married to the men who rescued him or who looked after him after uh, he came to America. And so just when I, when I encountered the story of Dorothy Brooke, it was through the diary entries that were compiled by Glinda Spooner, a great horsewoman and writer, great friend of Dorothy Brooke, in a, a book called For Love of Horses, which is still put out by the Brooke charity. Mm -hmm. And uh, these diary entries so intrigued me, uh, and they were heartbreaking. If you've read any of, of the stories of what Mrs. Brooke went through, what she saw in 1930s and later, uh, Egypt with these these desperately degraded elderly horses and and mules that had been left behind 
by the Allied forces after the Great War ended, you would, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's, it was very difficult to read, but I thought somebody needs to write her full life. This, this was a, an absolutely incredible human being. Hmm. She was not even from the sort of background that, you know, it was very refined, very upper class country house background. And suddenly she's dealing with these terribly abused and neglected horses in a slum part of Cairo in the heat having knives flashed at her, having to deal with men who were degraded themselves, and having to see this suffering every day and try to do something to make the lives of these horses and of their owners better. It's just, you know, your first thought is, why why hasn't Hollywood put out a, uh, produced a movie based on this woman's life? But it was bigger than that. She was, um, Mrs. Brooke had the ability to feel great compassion and and express it, but she was a great organizer as well. And she she loved systems and getting things running in the right track. And that if you took care of every aspect of a problem, you were more likely to eradicate the problem. Her philosophy has helped enormously the problem hasn't been eradicated, the problem of neglected working equines, horses, donkeys, and mules. But it's we have to think how much worse things would be had Mrs. Brooke not lived and uh, given her the last 25 years of her life to, uh, to help these animals and their owners. From what I get from the snippets that we hear about Dorothy, because, you know, it would be fascinating to know her full story. And I, and I really can't wait to read your book when it comes out in February. But the snippets that we hear now is her bravery. I mean, she must be so brave and courageous to be not only... You know, a lot of us every day have a problem and we think, oh, you know, I really don't believe in that. But do we actually do anything about it? Nine times yes. out of ten, no. But she she yeah. did. She dedicated her life to f- trying to fix the problem. She did. And uh, she uh, risked her life in some cases. Um, what did she, she do? Went in... How did she risk her well, life? She, uh, so when she founded her Old War Horse Memorial Hospital in um, Saida Zainab district of Cairo, she was in a a district that was considered so dangerous that she made sure that there was a police station just down the street, which came in very handy. Many of the men who, from whom she bought these horses and, and mules and donkeys um, in the beginning, and we're talking animals that had been left behind in Egypt after 1918, and were all very old, had been worked sometimes while blind, had been worked with broken legs for years, desperately horrific things that were never seen in England. And she was dealing with that, but she was also dealing with a a class of, and I hate to say that word, um, a segment of society that, number one, couldn't really look after the animals properly because they themselves were downtrodden. They had been kicked in the head by life these were the lowest possible people in Egyptian society. You could buy a a horse in a dying condition and work it until it died in the street and then consider that you got your money's worth and then go and find another one that was in such terrible condition. It's sort of like someone who would just buy one incredibly broken down automobile after another and just run, run each one till it 
couldn't run anymore and then just get another one. They needed these animals to keep their families alive. In the book, I discuss some societal problems that were going on in Egypt that uh, helped create the situation, the the poverty and the the movement of peasantry into the city, uh, the lack of skills, everything that goes into really forming the ideal situation, as you might say, for um, animals to be abused. Mrs. Brooke believed that there was a circle of pain here. It wasn't enough to make a horse better because you were sending him back into the same situation of ignorance, of lack of care, um, sometimes of deliberate neglect. She believed that the only way to break that circle of pain was to also deal with the human aspect, Mm -hmm. was to educate the owner, was to make sure that the owner understood that the horse, donkey, or mule is a member of his family. That animal is helping him feed his wife and children. That animal deserves, at the very least, to be properly looked after. And she found that in many cases, these men just didn't know. They didn't know what to do. Many were given to these superstitious um, practices of, of trying to look after the animal's health themselves and making it worse, which unfortunately still happens. So when Mrs. Brooke went out looking for horses herself, where she'd been told, you know, someone, the man who has the, the taxi stable down the road has a couple of elderly war horses. She went into dangerous districts where there had been stabbings, murders. On one occasion, when she was at the buying table, uh, purchasing, helping to purchase some of these um, sad uh, horses, she didn't offer enough to a man whose horse, or it was a donkey, showed all the signs of having been deliberately abused by this, this very, very messed up individual. And so he lunged at her across the table with his knife. Oh, my God. Now, these are not things that she was brought up to deal with. Um, she no. was. No. This, this was not her. This was not. There was nothing in her background that would have made her ready and prepared to deal with this kind of thing. But as a vet uh, who worked with Brooke for about 30 years told me, and as I quote in the book, Compassion gave her the authority to interfere, and her compassion was so great and her need to act on it that she was willing to risk her life. She certainly risked her livelihood. I mean, they were constantly having to appeal for funds. She didn't uh, have a private fortune, so uh, and it would probably not have covered all of the needs that they had in, in Cairo. So she... She was willing to do this. In fact, there's this funny account that I that I describe, funny and and tragic. She, while sitting at the buying table, saw some men down the row of, of horses waiting to be looked at, who got into a fight because one tried to move ahead in the line. Mind you, they were doing this because the horses they had brought were in such a dying condition. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That some of them died right there before they ever got to the, the buying table. Oh my goodness. And so she saw them fighting and the, then the police came and she said in the melee, they were striking the horses and she said, I never, never cared whether they killed themselves, you know, have at it boys. But for you to cause more pain to these animals that have already suffered so much is not something I'm going to put up with. So she got up from the table, walked down the street and grabbed the arm of the first scoundrel she could find and shook it. And she said, you do not ever do this. Do not ever do this. And she said, they wilted before my wrath. <laughs> they, um, she said, because of course she was a very tall English lady uh, wearing one of her flowered uh, sort of summer uh, frocks. And she had these white open-toed shoes that she wore. And she said they thought she was insane. So they, they parted whenever she appeared. Um, and uh, she said, no, never again, never again. Do not cause these horses any more pain than you have already. And what I heard from a gentleman in Cairo who served as vet at the Brook for many years is that in that street, in uh, Byram Altunsi Street, where the, where the Brook Hospital still is, there are still grandfathers who get their grandchildren to mind by saying, you behave or the English lady will come and get you. Um, she would actually grab the whips out of out of these men's hands. She she wouldn't let them hurt the horses. Um, it, it was it was courage. It was um, a certain swashbuckling air that she had. She was equal to anything. And basically, she died with her boots on. She was she when she died in 1955. She was still working on 
uh, paperwork. Um, she had just saved an elderly polo pony that had been worked almost to death. And um, she was still working and, you know, closed her eyes and, and died. She's just the most phenomenal lady. And if only we could go back in time and meet her, it just would have been such a privilege. And for you to be able to <laughs> to read her most intimate diaries and speak to her closest friends, do you feel like you really knew her? I do in that I had the great good fortune of uh, coming to know her grandchildren who have mm. kept the uh, the Brooke legacy alive. And they told me many things about her. They also shared photographs from their private family albums that I reproduced in the book. So people could see that she was very much a human being. She would have said there was nothing special about her, that she only did what was necessary, that she did. She saw no one else doing it, and so she decided she had to do it. But I feel like I, I know her, and she's definitely one of the people I've written about that I would want at my make-believe dinner party. Um, <laughs> she, she would have been a wonderful, a wonderful person to talk to. Like I say, she had this way of writing and expressing herself that touched the heart, but also stirred you to action. You shouldn't sit down and cry about something. Yes, you could sit down and cry about it, but that wasn't accomplishing anything for the animals. I think it's also a testament to the fact that she grew up with dogs, with horses in her family, as I did, as my mother did. And I think that makes a difference in how you see animals. Um, I always have seen them as members of the family. They're not pets. They're they're family members. Um, and best of all, they're family members you can choose. <laughs> um, yes. And so I feel like in a way she was perfectly made for the work she did. But I'm sure if you asked her, you know, Mrs. Brooke, would you have thought in, you know, before you came to Cairo in October 1930 that you would have done this? She would have said no. She was an early supporter of Ada Cole, a co-founder uh, or an early supporter of um, what became World Horse Welfare. And that was, of course, to um, to help horses that were in Europe and that were being taken to uh, abattoirs. And maybe she thought that was, that was all she would be doing. But uh, when she arrived in Cairo at uh, Ramsey's station in October 1930, got off her train and saw several horses hitched up to taxis, each of them starving, thin, old, blind, broken, and with the brand of the British Army on their rear flank, she thought this is what I have to do with my life. I have to save these animals, and I have to see if there are any more of them. And ultimately, she rescued somewhere around 5,000 of these war horses and, and army mules that had been left behind uh, for lives of hard labor. Wow. And uh, as she was fond of saying, we wouldn't, we wouldn't expect our returning veterans to return home only to be given a job breaking rocks and at some hard labor digging ditches. So why would we do this to the horses? Um, mm. So she was a lady of action and decisiveness and determination. She dealt with a lot of battles. There were problems. There were attempts to sabotage her charity. Um, why would anybody she, want to do that? Well, it's a, I tell it the story in the book. It's, it's, it's hard to understand what it was all about, but it seems to have been a combination of 
professional jealousy of some string pulling by high ups in the Egyptian government who didn't like publicity that was being given to the fact that there were so many desperate horses in in such terrible conditions in their Mm -hmm. city. And nobody likes, no government likes being made to look at the the darker side of their society. There are plenty of governments outside of, of Egypt and were at the time that weren't treating animals properly either. But she, by dint of her willpower and connections, um, she overcame this. And uh, it's one, one testament of, of Brooke that it has always been able to work with any country that it, where they have a, uh, a clinic. They do things as they're done in that country. They don't try to impose a system that is foreign. Dorothy was uh, politically a very astute person. She knew that when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. And it, it's, it's worked for over 80 years. What's so lovely now, Grant, is that people working in the brook have exactly the same ethos as Dorothy. Yes. So they yes. all think the same. They 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 talk like her. You know, hearing you now, it, it, I feel like I'm I'm listening to Dorothy speaking, um, <laughs> and, and it's and it's fascinating. You know, we had a lovely chat with one of the girls from the brook quite a few months ago now, and she was talking about a story where she went to Pakistan. And she was saying, you know, this is how they live and we don't want to impose on how they live already. We just want to help educate and improve their life and improve the yes. horse's life. Um, yes. and, and that's a woman that can see that, uh, the empathy that she has, but is so ahead of her time, is so advanced. Yes. yes. You know, with the, with, the, with the psychology of realizing if I go in and tell you what to do and tell you what not to do, I'm going to hit a brick wall. If I try and work with you, then we might actually make progress. That's right. That's right. And that's exactly what she did. It was very ahead of its time. This is a philosophy we think of more today. It's more of a, a even a 21st century philosophy of working with rather than imposing upon. I cite in the book a couple of examples of conservationists of um, animal welfare pioneers who, like Dorothy, work actively to work with the people in the areas where they're doing, trying to make some kind of change for the animals and for the humans. You can't just focus on the animals because the human ingredient is always going to be there. And if that isn't taken into consideration, and if you try to impose uh, a whole system on it, that is foreign to it or even antagonistic toward it, you might as well not even bother. And I, I find it interesting that it's it's women who are the ones who are pioneering this philosophy. Well, I need to take on some of her great techniques then, Grant, because, you know, I'm still at the I'd shake them stage. So <laughs> Yes, yes. No, and I, I, you know, I had a relative who in 1920s Istanbul was walking down the street with her daughter And she saw a man beating his donkey mercilessly, donkey pulling a cart. And she ran up to him and hit him with her parasol and called the gendarmes and they came and took him away. And she felt really good about that. And yet the donkey would eventually be returned to the man who would not be apt to be any kinder to it than before he was humiliated by a foreign lady like that. Mm-hmm. And it would feel really good to do the shaking, but, but it would short term. 
it's short term and mm. it wouldn't help the animals. And I think that's what, because Dorothy, you know, as I said, Dorothy would occasionally shake a few men um, <laughs> in the streets <laughs> when she saw them not obeying the rules, when she saw them hurting the animals with their silly testosterone-fueled fights. And she saw that that was not the way to, uh, to make the animals better and not the way to educate the men. And look how far her philosophy has come now. So that was yes. obviously the completely the right mindset to have because yes. Brooke are doing incredible things and many countries and, and many families have better lives with their horses, donkeys and mules. The animals have better lives because they're educated. And, yes. you know, we, we, yes. we have it. It's in every country. You know, there are, there are people that are... Some people don't want to learn. Some people don't know that the education's out there. There's there's lots of different reasons and I would never justify ever abuse of a horse because I, I think it's disgusting. But it is. Um it it's I guess trying to find ways around it and, and she managed to do that incredibly well. And and like I said earlier, everybody now that works with the brook, for the brook, any connection with the brook have exactly the same philosophy and it's a wonderful yes. philosophy to have well your, your book sounds incredible and thank you so much for sharing so much of dorothy's story with us thank um, you how how can we read it where is it going to be available well it's uh, it came out in the u.s uh through potomac books um in november of uh, last year of 2017 and comes out through Allen and Unwin in the UK and Commonwealth in February. There's going to be a, a serialization of it pretty shortly. And basically, you can order it through any bookstore or um, online. It'll be exciting to, to hear the response from, from the UK. There were many people in America who had never heard of her. And of course, here in Canada, where I live, there were many people who uh, had never heard of her either, but are just so gobsmacked by her willpower, her, the depth and breadth of her compassion, and uh, her willingness to do anything it took to even to give a, a poor, tortured animal a day's rest and comfort. And as she liked to say, the sound of an English voice, it was worth it to her. Incredible, incredible lady. And thank you for being interested enough to start the initial research in the beginning and then to go on and share her story with us. We're really grateful. Thank you. Well, well, thank you very much. So the book is called The Lost War Horses of Cairo. And uh, the American edition is called Dorothy Brooke and the Fight to Save Cairo's Lost War Horses. Oh. Sort of a variation. So. Well, we'll put both links on our website. So anyone who goes to horsehour.co.uk <laughs> can, can click on the book. I would add just one more thing. I'm donating 40% of my royalties back to Brooke from the sale of, of the book. Oh, wow. Um, in, in perpetuity. So it'll go on as long as the book is sold. That's for both the US and the UK editions. Oh, my goodness. Then we all have to buy a book because, <laughs> well, we had to buy one anyway. But in that case, we need to get you into like the, the was it the New York Times bestseller list? How do we get you into that? I don't know. That would be good. But, uh, <laughs> How many copies do you need to sell to get into a bestseller list? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I it would be nice. But I just hope people will uh, recognize the, the great work that Brooke does and that with the purchase of, of every book, they give back to the, to the charity that Mrs. Brooke 
founded and lived for. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so, so much. Grant, all the best. Let me know when your next book's out as well. And and please stay in touch because we would love to hear how how this goes for you. So thanks so much. Thank you, Amy. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. As always, you can catch up with previous episodes of the Horse Hour podcast on our website. Just head to horsehour.co.uk. And I have the best news. Grant has kindly provided us with a signed copy of the Lost War Horses of Cairo for you to win. So all you have to do is pop in your email address and the lucky winner will be selected next Monday at 8 o'clock on Horse Hour. Horse Hours between 8 and 9pm on Twitter every Monday night is a chance for you to talk to other equestrians all over the world. You can talk about the journey that you're having with your horses, any problems you might be having, or just to share some photos and videos. I hope you have a really great week with your horse, and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern, by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.